Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm not saying that's nothing I can or can't overcome. No, you either want something or you no, don't. No, no, no. If you're just trying not to look like the ass camera, I'm not. I'll be the ass for us. Yeah. I swear to God. Like you writing what you wrote on the calendar and stuff. Like I felt unsafe. What he looks like is not interested in being here. Makes me feel like he doesn't care. You can't just say peace out. I'm out because I told you that one thing. We're married. I can say peace out. You gotta file, you gotta do a lot of documentation, you gotta go to counseling. What if I want to do that? Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine, Married at First Sight Edition. Ooh. This episode was more of the same. (laughs) There were a little few surprises, you know. I appreciate Henry for being a bit of a slow burn here because truly he's bringing the content. And if it weren't for Henry and Christina's storyline, love story, story, whatever you want to call it, I think we'd be seeing a lot of the same thing out of the couples. And though I appreciate it from people like Bennett and Amelia and Amani and Woody because they're bringing positive shit. I don't know. I kind of feel like without them, maybe this episode in particular just kind of hammered that we're just getting more of the same from these people. But I still thought it was a pretty, it was like, I'd give it like a solid B leaning on a B plus grade. So let's just get into it. So we'll start with, oh, let's start with Brett and Olivia. They really weren't giving us anything. Even when they had like the breakout couple scenes where they were with um, 
Henry and Christina and Woody and Imani, like, really weren't giving us much at all. Uh, really, gosh, Olivia, you know, is still having a hard time adjusting to be a couple with Brett. And she says, like, their day-to-day life is kind of more difficult than she expected. But, you know, like, they're making the bed. And he thinks it, it doesn't really matter. You know, like, on the fitted sheet, it kind of doesn't matter where you put it. And it's like, Brett, what? Of course it does. For a man who seems so particular, like, we all know that a bed is rectangular. And that it very much matters which seams line up because otherwise you're going to be in a fucked up bed. I'm very particular about my bedding. I am very particular about like the positioning and stuff. So that would have been a deal breaker for me right there. Like what? You don't care that the seams line up to the corners correctly and that you're not just like stretching out the bed just to accommodate the shape. Hell no. I would, I would like take my mic pack. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm done. Like, what is he bringing? If he can't even bring it with the linens, like, why am I here? He's not providing in any other way, you know? And, like, do you wonder if, like, Olivia goes to bed at night and she worries that, like, if he snores too loud that maybe she'll get stuck stuck up in his nostrils? Like, he'll just sniff too hard and, you know, that's all she wrote. That would be a concern for me. Anyway... Brett takes her to a rock climbing place and they actually have a good time. Olivia, you know, this was one of her main concerns back on the honeymoon of like, what are we going to be doing? What are you looking forward to doing activity wise when we get back in our relationship, in our real life? And so Brett actually takes her, you know, production provided, takes her rock climbing. This is something that he likes to do. And they're both athletic. They both like doing physical activities. And there really seems to be, like, one of the bigger things that they can relate on and get along with is, like, I mean, have we seen them enjoy themselves since they went on the monkey bars back on the honeymoon? I'm coming up with nothing. Are you? (laughs) So, Olivia says that, like, the situation actually made her feel hopeful Brett is actually being encouraging and kind and supportive and telling her how great of a job she did and actually being nice. And this is making her feel like, you know, maybe he's not just a total dickhead who has no connection to his emotions other than sarcasm and bullshit. Maybe this is going to work. Spoiler alert. That was short lived. Olivia then takes Brett to trivia with her friends and family, and it's not, like, typical trivia. It's sort of like a Jeopardy meets, I don't quite know. It's not, like, traditional, you know, who was the sports team that won the 1970-whatever-the-fuck Super Bowl. It's not that kind of thing. It's, like, pick these letters and, and figure out what word comes from it. Pick, it's, like complicated right so Brett again and here's Brett's problem I don't think I've been hinting at it but I don't think that I fully express what his problem is that like anytime he is insecure he is unsure of himself he is not 100% confident in the situation he just goes to dick mode it's deflection sarcasm 
general frat boy douchebaggery. And this is a thing. Like, he just didn't know the answers. And so he was like, oh, well, this isn't, like, real trivia. Like, uh, you know, this is what I'm used to. I'm not really having fun. I'm not really paying attention because, you know, this isn't, like, a real thing. So her friends are sitting on either side of him and her. And they're trying to encourage him, like trying to include him in the situation and he's like checking out more and more the longer they they get and Olivia gets so frustrated with her, with him that she goes out with this blonde woman I never watched a Chiron is it her sister is it her friend I don't know does it matter no it doesn't her sister friend and Olivia go outside and Olivia's like I'm just really frustrated I thought this would be something that we could do part of like bringing him into the fold into my world meeting my friends and family and I'm just like really annoyed that he isn't making the effort to be pleasant around them or to even participate and join in like even if you don't want to play the game you can make polite small talk you know it's never about what it is what they say it is right like it's not that he wasn't playing the game it wasn't it was that he wasn't playing the game the playing the game of like being a nice supportive husband, you know? And this is just like a continued frustration with her and I wonder if he is because like every time he talks about Olivia, it's like he's into her and he thinks that she's so great. And is it that like he's trying to seem like the good guy because he knows that she doesn't like him? as much as she's frustrated because kind of like Henry and Christina, like I don't understand how he couldn't pick up on her frustration and her mood and her tone with him. Like if she's getting up and leaving and not saying like, Oh, I have to go to the bathroom or like if your partner is just getting up and walking out, you know, <laughs> like where do you think this train is headed? Brett? I don't know. I I'm very, I want to say that I'm like frustrated for her and in a way I am but in the other way I'm just like these are things we've never seen her outside of the honeymoon when he like got all funky with her about the rating their marriage we haven't seen her communicate her frustrations and even when she did at the honeymoon she kind of like popped off on him and walked away so you know, which is worse, not communicating at all or not communicating effectively. Hard to say. Let's move on. Um, let's go to Bennett and Amelia. More of the same, but still, you know, very pleasant, very pleasant. And I'm, you know, sorry, princess, like I'm just liking Bennett more. And frankly, if I'm keeping it a hundred, not liking Amelia that much, I don't really know if she's like, super tapped into her emotions and I think Bennett might be picking up on that too. So Amelia's making bread and Bennett brings up the chore draft that he brought up last week because he was saying like we haven't really been keeping up with cleaning the bathrooms maybe we should be delegating tasks I'll write all of these chores on like index cards or little slips of paper and we can pick. So he wrote down 16 things Eight of which were actual chores and eight of which were just like arbitrary, silly little things like, 
I'm going to make sure we talk to the neighbors. I'm going to be the one who's going to do that. But also, I'll be the one who cleans the bathroom. Or I'll take the trash out, but I'll, you know, answer the door in the middle of the night. Things like that. Amelia is clearly picking, like, the easier tasks. Like, I'll pick up the mail. I'll take the recycle out. Stupid things. Like, they obviously are... They have different priorities when it comes to cleanliness in terms of upkeep and <sighs> uh, somebody asked me and I for- forgive me. I, I, it's going to lag if I try to look up who said this in the Instagram, but you DM'd me and asked me if I would trust Amelia with being my doctor. And we both agreed. Mm. <laughs> Uh, like she to me feels like I would just be stuck like she would come in and I'd be sitting on the table with like the piece of paper that they roll out for everybody and like in the gown and she'd be like oh okay I'll be right back and then like half an hour later I'd like go and peek out the door and she's like talking to somebody and she's got like a fresh Starbucks in her hand or not Starbucks you know she's probably like a you know you know, like a more of a underground indie cafe place, but he just seems kind of flighty and also don't know that I really trust her cleanliness level. That seems pretty apparent. And that's a fair concern, a really fair concern. So gosh, what else? Um, that was really it. Amelia actually was like, I kind of feel like because I'm going to be the breadwinner that like maybe Bennett should be taking up the lion's share of these chores, you know, I don't know. So Bennett decides to make it like they just keep wanting up each other, doing kind things and nice gestures for each other as a thank you for their past behavior. So last week we saw Amelia say that like Bennett is so kind to me he makes me happy all day long and for that I'm gonna make him a cake and teach him how to slack line and now Bennett's like oh she was so kind to me and helped me when I was feeling sick when I caught coronavirus and so I'm gonna make her dinner he makes peanut tofu with peanut sauce and asparagus which seems like a weird combination but, you know, I didn't have to eat it. Um, and also, he brings his friends over. He has his friends over to sing them a lovely little, like, a twee folk song. We know he's more into, like, a jagged edge. <laughs> One of my favorite hobbies is thinking about Bennett, like, listening to different R&B people. Like, do you think he's into D'Angelo? <laughs> But it's a D'Angelo fan and Amelia really likes more of that, like, you know, folky music, you know, Bonnie Vare type thing. So his friends ring the doorbell. Amelia goes to answer it. And his friends, Joanna and Rachel, appear to be dressed what looked to me like if you asked a child what a ram looked like 
and gave them crayons. Like that's what one of them looked like. And the other one looked like, like a Catholic squid. I don't really know how else to describe her. <laughs> it looked like a sea creature, but also a priest. I don't really know, <laughs> but they sing this very lovely song. They had great voices. I don't remember what the song was about, but it was very nice. I think they go outside and Amelia's like on the moon. She thinks it's so kind and they go out to eat dinner and he's like, you know, Amelia's like, this was the best gift I've ever gotten. And I just love the kinds of things that Bennett chooses to do for me. And so she asks Bennett what he likes. What is his love language? He says scratching his head. Like he loves it as his favorite thing. And she says that she likes to be like affectionate and also quality time. So quality time and physical touch for Amelia, physical touch for Bennett. But it seems like he really enjoys quality time too. Anyway. Um, Bennett asked, like, okay, how would you, like, if there was something that you felt I wasn't meeting your needs with, how would you express that to me? So, like, that's great that we can talk about things that you like, but if you're not feeling satisfied, how would you express that? And Amelia's like, I think I would just tell you, honestly. I don't think I would do anything about it, and... You know, she's like, well, how would you, what would you do? He's like, oh, I would have a tantrum. <laughs> he was joking. But Amelia's like, well, let's just make a pact that we could both have a sp safe space for each other to just be direct and try and meet each other's needs. Take it in and execute what is being asked of you. He says, great. And he is just like loving his life. Bennett says he feels like he's about to melt, like about to burst, like he is on the edge of glory and he's hanging on a moment with Amelia. He's very close to telling her he loves her and it's like, these are the parts that I really like to see of them because how nice, how nice, can't relate, <laughs> but it seems nice to watch. So they then go out and they do this whole little romantic montage like Wes Anderson could not write a better script than this. Noah Baumbach, Greta Gerwig, are you watching this? Like, here's some material for you right now. So they're both riding bikes side by side, hands free, also holding hands. And they are riding through the park, laughing, giggling, like, people, let me tell you about my best friend. They're having so much fun. And they go out and sit on the swings, and here's where the drama attempts to begin. So Bennett asks, you know, in a very, I think, normal way of like, so, do you have anything about me that really annoys you? And she's like no, I can't really think of anything. And she's like, but you got something for me? <laughs> is this where this is going? And then it says, you know, well, I've noticed that when you wash dishes, you don't wash the parts that are not being like consumed. So like, like I noticed when you washed a glass, 
you wash the inside, but I could still see like fingerprints and lip prints on the outside. And Amelia's response was like, so I guess now I have to learn to wash the whole glass. Yeah. Yeah, you do. That's kind of the worst part is the outside. That's where your fingers are. And that seems like something somebody who graduated from med school would know, you know? You think she would have known that? The liquid's not the problem. It's us. It's always us. Anyway. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're living in this point in like a post... And we're gearing up to COVID times, like a real true lockdown. So anyway, um, they, you know, Bennett says that it feels like the honeymoon stage, but he, you know, wants to make sure that they're grounded in reality. And he's trying to lead her to answer things that she might be annoyed or find annoying about him. And she's like, Everything that he brings up, she's like, no, not really. He's like, well, what about that, like, weird noise I make when my throat has a little pickle? And he's like, I'm going to move away from the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that. It's going to hurt. And he's like, you know, I've heard that that's a very annoying noise. And she's like, actually kind of feels like white noise. Can you do it again? Yeah, no, that's no problem for me. It's like, okay, well. What about, you know, like sometimes I'm not that, you know, sometimes I forget to wear the deodorant. She's like, yeah, same. (laughs) It's like everything that he's throwing at her, she's like, I really have no problem. And she says to production, like, I just like we're in such a good place. I just don't care to be annoyed by anything, honestly. (laughs) And so... Yeah, Bennett then kind of seems like they keep doing these, like, tight shots of Bennett looking, like, kind of frustrated. This is probably a look that he gave for about three seconds and they keep going back to that exact same facial expression that he's making. But he, um, he, yeah, he's like, you know, I'm just a little bit concerned about how chill she is. Like, he's afraid of like kind of like Karen but a lot less annoying like he's afraid that it's too good hmm all right let's move on all right so let's talk about just the the couples 
triple slash double date. So Miles and Karen, Bennett and Amelia go to the park and they decide to play bocce ball. Bennett comes up slash production comes up with this twist in which they like raise the stakes by betting kisses. So whoever, whichever partner wins, they get to get kissed and they get to request the location of the kiss. So they keep going back and forth. Bennett wins and he has Amelia kiss her on her belly, his belly button. Karen has to kiss Miles' forehead. They keep going back and forth. Then they end on doing a, um, like a, what do you call it? Like a winner takes all, sudden death round. And Miles wins the whole game. And he asks for a kiss on the lips. To which Karen gingerly does and was like, yay. (laughs) So that was the end. Of that scene. So over with the three couples, we have Christina and Henry, Woody and Imani, and Olivia and Brett. They go to eat. And Imani is like, okay, guys, so how are things going? It feels like like Imani and Woody are like the camp counselors. And like everybody is just kind of like following their lead, like they're leading all the conversations both as a couple and as separate entities when they break out between like the men and women. And it's just like really funny to watch how much production is relying on them in these group scenarios. Have y'all been picking up on that? I think it's very interesting. It's particularly Imani, but like Woody, when the men separate, Woody is always the one who has the most commentary about what the other guys say. So anyway, Monty asks how things are going and Brett's like, you know, I think we're getting a little bit more comfortable with each other and we're increasing in like with one another and, you know, the more we're spending quality time together and it's, you know, going fine. And Henry says it's also going well. And at one point he felt a lot of pressure and he felt like he wasn't doing a great job of navigating all that pressure, but they decided to take it day by day and Christina chimes in and say, like, hey, we're really starting to date each other. And he agrees. And Christina says, you know, like, I'm starting to see that I really like him. And Henry even goes so far to say that during their salsa lesson, Christina was sexy. A word that I never thought that I would hear Henry say without just bursting into flames from embarrassment. So, yeah, it goes pretty well. Christina's thrilled that he called her sexy. Woody's even more thrilled. He's like, I'm excited that he even said it. And I'm hoping he'll take it further by like kissing his wife, having sex with her at some point. Like, let's just take this motion and keep going with it. Keep going, Henry. (laughs) So um, then what happens is Christina... Is like, oh, well, I just want to tell you guys that I'm pregnant. <laughs> Clearly, she's joking. I'm shocked that they even share a bed together, frankly. I thought that even that would be too much for Henry. Not even because, like, he's so shy, but also just because he doesn't like her. 
<laughs> like, do, do they have two bedrooms? Because I feel like in other seasons they do. And I know they have two bathrooms. I thought he would have, like, maybe taken it to the couch. Or maybe it's, like, just not even worth another conversation slash argument with Christina. So he's like, that's why he's just pounding the wine at any given moment. Like, rosé all day with Mr. Henry, isn't it? He's really taken to the wine pretty heavy in a way that I did not expect. So, yeah, what happens after this? Uh, yeah, obviously Christina's not pregnant. I mean, come on. Amani and Henry have their own scene with each other, and Amani's like, okay, well, how do you feel about progressing and being more affectionate with Christina? And Henry's like, honestly, it's been difficult. Like, all of it. <laughs> and because... Truly, she was been really rude to production and really impatient. And it's like a huge deal breaker for me. And unless it resolves itself, there's really zero chance of it going anywhere. Our relationship. And Ronnie's like, damn, that's a lot. She felt the weight of so much responsibility of being like, oh, I know he did not tell Christina this, and now he just laid all this shit on me, and I'm going to have to go back and tell her, damn. (laughs) So the girls have a scene together. So it's Olivia, Christina, and Amani. And Christina's like, oh, I saw that you and Henry went off and spoke. Like, what did y'all talk about? And Amani's like, well, he did mention something about you being kind of impatient. And he did also say that the lack of patience was kind of a deal breaker. And Christina's like, what? He's never said any of this stuff to me. And think it's kind of a cop-out for him to tell you that and then he just told the whole table that I was sexy during our dance lesson and why does he never communicate this stuff with me and I just feel really shocked and Olivia's like well maybe he's not used to somebody who's as confident as you (laughs) way to clean that one up Olivia way to clean it up and Christina's like, she basically feels all turned around and says, like, he says one thing to me, one thing to y'all, and I just feel very confused about the whole situation. So, let's go on to Christina and Henry's scenes, right? So, their first scene is of them at the apartment, and she's like, you know what, I still feel kind of awkward, but... They're doing laundry together. She's like, well, show me how you fold your towels. And he shows her and she's like, oh, no, I kind of do it like a much better hotel style way, as Henry put it. And she's like, you know what? We're having a good time. And every day I see more reason why we were matched. So when they get back to the apartment, Christina's like, hey, so you and Imani spoke like, what did you guys talk about? And... Excuse me, Henry's like, you know what? She was giving me advice. And he kind of mentions the impatience thing was an issue, but he was having 
trouble looking past that, but like, you know, she's been a lot better about it in the last few days, and she's like, okay, but you never said that to me, and he's like, actually, I did, which I think he did. I think in the episode where they had Pastor Cal come over and stir the pot, he did say, like, she does have a little bit of an impatient streak, and that is, like, a big issue. Did he say it like what he said to Amani? No. Did he say it? Technically. And I think the combination of what he said when Pastor Cal was there and how he's been acting, his body language and stuff, and he has said things. I mean, he's walked out. She's kind of framing it like this is coming completely out of nowhere, but like the dude walked out on you. You know, so he actively twitches, his face twitches at the conversations that you guys have. He has mentioned, like, he feels like you get a little frustrated around, you know, like, because he hasn't been a hundred percent, I think she's kind of running with the fact that, like, he hasn't been honest or forthcoming at all, which I don't think is fair. He's been, like... 70% clear and she's not picking up on it which is also you know it's also fair that like she doesn't really know him but you know we're we all see it and even if it's production showing us very select clips I don't really see how what we're not seeing could have been much better that she would have been so confused by this whole situation I mean like she apologized to him last week about how she is impatient because she wasn't on her medication. So she knew it. She knew. She knew. Anyway. Um, so then she really pushes back. And I think, honestly, like, I won't say that I was on her side, but I think she was making fair and valid points. And she wasn't being, like, a complete dick to him. So Christina says, you know, like, I honestly kind of question what you say because I'm hearing what I heard from Amani was kind of like a knife to the heart. And she's like, what do you really feel? Like, let's get into this. What do you really feel? Because I wonder if like, maybe you're just trying to be a nice guy on camera. And if that's what you want to be, like, I'll be the asshole all day if you want to be like the good boy. And (laughs) she's like, honestly, like, I can't believe that you would say that stuff to Imani when you barely even know her. And I'm like, okay, well, he barely knows you, but fair enough. Like, he really barely knows Imani. And then she asks, like, what can I do to improve? How can I morph into the person that you were going to fall in love with, that you were going to want to be with? And he is, like, at one point, he's, like, like, heavily sighing. This is a conversation... That, like, teenage girls have with the guy who's trying to break up with them. You know? This is a very high school conversation. He's trying to be nice-ish. She's laying it all on the line. And it's just really, really poor communication on on both of their ends. But kind of more so on Henry. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm very confused about all this. But she does make a good point. It's like... Well, let's just tell, like, tell me where you stand, because if you're really not into this, and this is truly a deal breaker for you, then 
you gotta let me know because I don't want to continue to invest in a relationship in which you've already checked out. And he's like, well, if you're asking me to make a decision right now, then like, no. And she's like, okay, well, why are you even continuing this? And Henry says, you know, ending it now would kind of defeat the purpose of the whole process of the show and, and the experiment. And, you know, I don't know if I can change, but I'm willing to try and, things have been better in the past few weeks and I've been trying to change my mindset. And Christina says, you know, we can't really dance around things. And if you have an issue with me, you need to communicate that because that's a deal breaker for me. And Henry's like, yeah, I hear you. So later they kind of try to turn things around. Henry gets a bowl of questions certainly provided by production and they're deeper questions so they can like kind of really, get to know each other more. Things have really, like what we've seen, been very surface with them. So the first question is, he asked Christina what she she fears the most by moving forward with him. And Christina says that she's scared to lose herself initially, but now she kind of worries that he clams up when he's uncomfortable and that she has to carry the conversation. And he concedes, he totally admits that that's true. And um, so then it's, Christina's turn and she goes well what like what is it that you can promise me the question is it's like a fill in the blank what I can what I think I can promise you is blank and Henry says well I can promise to treat you with respect and be committed and I am going to stand firm in that he said I will try my best to be more comfortable around you. So he goes next and he's like, why do you want to make it work? And Christina says, I really wanted to be married to a good person. And I feel like you're a good person. And Henry says, you know, there's been a lot of momentum with us in the past few days and he's feeling pretty good about it. And Henry, or excuse me, Christina rather says that Henry's walls are slowly, slowly coming down and she really likes what she sees. And that was the end of their scene. All right, y'all, so let's move on to Karen and Miles. Oh, Lord. I'm, even as I'm talking now, having, uh, I'm very conflicted about how to discuss them and what happened, and namely Karen, because I want to be respectful, because you never really know what's going on behind the scenes or behind these hazel eyes, as Kelly Clarkson would say. And I want to be kind. But, like, I'm a little bit annoyed. (laughs) I am just going to... Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to issue a warning and just say that I'm going to react purely to what we see on the show and what we're presented. But I will be a little bit nicer than I normally would be just in case there's something that we don't know. So last week we left off with Karen and Miles and Miles had put up on the calendar jokingly sex with my wife and Karen was feeling some type of way about that. So we open up on them this week and we find out that Karen had spent the night at her own home, left the couple's apartment 
and she's really upset. She says she's questioning Miles' intentions and what kind of guy he is and that he made her feel unsafe and she didn't want to feel unsafe in her own home and we get to Miles and he's like sullenly folding clothes in the kitchen and he's saying that like his anxiety is up but he's just going to give her time and space and at one point he looks at the camera and then like an interview with production and he just looked like a broken man. Like not even like I'm upset. It was beyond that. It was just like, ugh, defeated. So Karen says that she's going to talk to Miles about what happened, but she doesn't know how she can move forward. She ends up coming to the apartment later and She says, you know, she was really, really upset by what he said. And while she doesn't mind talking about intimacy, the way that he went about it caught her off guard and she was really pissed off. She said she didn't sleep at all and then it made her feel, again, unsafe, even though she does admit, like, we are married. This is a conversation that I should be having with the man that I'm married to. And I know, I knew that it would come up. So... She also says, like, it was a boundary. And again, she mentions being unsafe. Now, this is the part that makes me feel like maybe there's something that we don't know about Karen's past that we should be more gentle and kind towards. But if I'm just, you know, going off of what we've seen on the show and what Karen has said about her past, which was basically nothing (laughs) except for that guy having a child behind her back. Uh, uh, do I agree with like it going so far as to say that she should feel un- she should have felt unsafe by that? No. And like I said last week, I think this is a very different, he would have gotten a very different reaction. I think if she was into him or attracted to him and later she does say that, but mm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being slightly influenced by what I see in these Twitter streets because people do not like Karen. It is like damn near unanimous. And I saw somebody say something like, well, maybe Karen, like she felt this person's felt like she was on Karen's side and she was like, well, maybe Karen's just not that into him. And she just like is waiting until the end of the experiment to say that. And like, well, fuck off. Like, I would be pissed about that if I were Miles. Like, don't... Because Miles is invested. These are two flawed people. Like, I don't want to act like Miles is this perfect human being and that he deserves to have love from Karen purely because he's putting in the effort. No. Because I think he also is a pleaser, and that's something that comes up later in the conversation that he has with Woody. But if you're not interested in anybody, experiment or not, TV show or not, like, don't, you know, much like Christina said, like, let me know so I'm not invested. And I don't continue to put forth effort into a relationship that isn't going to go anywhere. And I'm just like really curious about where Karen's headspace is because I really can't make heads or tails of it. Like later the episode, 
seems to be kind of opening up. And in this conversation, Miles apologizes profusely. And he says, I understand how you felt. And I understand why I made you feel unsafe. And I'm very sorry for that. And I'm hoping that we can move forward. And you can begin to trust me again. And that I can earn that trust back. And Karen also says, you know, she's being fair and saying, you know, I understand that I'm in this relationship and I understand that you are a very affectionate person. You're a very physical person. So I am going to make the effort to be more physical and intimate with you. That I'm like, it kind of makes me a little bit uneasy. Like, don't do it for him. You know, like if you, you can't, it's not like you can't have it both ways, but it's like, if you are really so put off by him even suggesting something like that, and I wouldn't even say it was really a suggestion. It was a joke. Like, I genuinely don't believe that he was going to look at that day and expect to have sex with you, which is something that should make you feel unsafe. I think it's weird to go from like, I feel unsafe to like, I'm going to be more intimate with you with when you're also saying that, like, I don't know how I can ever trust you again. You know, it's like, who are you really doing that for? This is very complicated. I, hmm. I just wonder if like, there's something that we don't know about Karen's past because that would make a lot of sense if there had been something that happened that made her put her guard up so much and her walls up I don't know this is I'm just very conflicted and I don't think Karen was ready for this like at all and I don't know even how much like seeing him getting that text at the beginning before the wedding and like figuring out who he was and looking at all social media. Like I, I just wonder how much that really factors in because I think not so much at this point, but I don't know. But also like we have to, I think be honest about miles, which is that he tries very hard to, how do I say this? He like, he tries to, um, Based on his relationship history, it seems very much like he just tries to make it work with anybody that he ends up being in a relationship with. And he does not take into consideration his needs and what he wants. I don't think it's really at the forefront of his mind. And I don't think it's something that he knows how to be honest with his partner about. Because he's just so invested in making it work. And that's not healthy either. That being said, he's trying. And if you don't really want to try and if you don't just her reaction to me just says more like she's just not attracted to him than he tried it with her, you know, or like he's pushing boundaries. It just wouldn't be an issue for me him saying that, like if I were attracted to him, even if I had no intention of having sex with him anytime soon, if I were into him and I thought like maybe this was going to go, if there was really any interest whatsoever, (laughs) I would not have had a problem with what he said. 
to me, it just seems like she takes issue. She took an issue with the calendar situation because she's not into him. And I think it's always going to be, it feels like it's always going to be something. There's always going to be some hurdle or some mountain that Miles is going to have to climb with her. And it just like, I think at some point it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like she keeps putting these, she keeps moving the goal post and at some point he's just want to kick, going to kick that goalpost over and be like, I can't do, keep doing this. And then she's going to be like, well, see, you're not the guy who I expected you to be. And it's like, okay, well, that's because you kind of force his hand a little bit. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. This is a very complicated situation. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Later, Karen tries to turn it around and they're back from their double date with Amelia and Bennett and Miles is still very hopeful and he's like, you know what? I think we can have fun doing pretty much everything. Like, I have so much fun with you. I'm like, do you? <laughs> because she just seems so like, oh, like it's like when you, your friend really likes a guy and then she's like oh my god he's got this friend I think you guys are gonna be really into each other and you're just like now stuck in this double date that you never really wanted to go on and he's not your type at all and you're not interested in but you're like trying to play nice because your friend is so into the dude that she's into and that's his friend and uh, I don't know I don't know um then they talk about, like, you know, they told Bennett and Amelia that they don't quite feel married to each other. And then they have this conversation about, like, what's your favorite color? And just, like, general stuff. And they go to bed later. And Karen is able to complete exactly one flirt by smiling in his general direction. I think for a moment she made eye contact. And she said something along the lines of she liked to snuggle with him, which... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but you said it. So I guess we'll just go with it. So then later they go to some sort of like massage, intimate touch yoga session. And Karen has to massage Miles and the guy's like, okay, let's start with the feet. So take Miles's socks off. And little known fact about me, I hate feet. 
this is the most I've ever related to Karen being like oh <laughs> if I take these socks off what am I gonna get what's under that door what, what's behind that door I oh, I was with her on that I do not like feet I don't think I've ever touched a man's foot Ugh. <laughs> I don't like them um so then you know like they give her like a warm moist towel so she can massage his feet and later she says thank god for that towel because I did not know what I was gonna get when I took those socks off and he was like low-key I was kind of scared that my ankles were ashy she's like thank god for that towel because I would have cut my foot and you know those these are the kinds of jokes that I appreciate because he took it in stride and he laughed and they were you know laughing together but you know he back to the yoga thing she keeps giving a massage she does it like you know where you kind of like twist your back by moving your hips forward but your back stays in the same position like oh it feels so good miles was so relaxed he went into like full barry white voice like his voice went down a complete octave <laughs> he was loving his life and yeah she i mean that's that was really it with them until we see Miles have a conversation with Woody. So let's move on to Imani and Woody so we can talk about that combo. So we're in the morning and Imani is taking her braids out and she's like trying to fix her hair. She's like, you want to sit and watch me do my hair? He's like, yeah, I do. She lifts her arms up at one point to show like a centimeter of flesh. And he's like, mm. <laughs> and she's like, sir, I could show an ankle to you and you would be attracted to it and he was like you're absolutely right and now I see why back in the day they wouldn't be able to show their ankles (laughs) because I'm into it I like all of it (laughs) and so then they're getting on with their day and they're tidying up and this is the episode is kind of like now that you guys are living together are you noticing anything that you don't like are you noticing like the day-to-day things that attract you or don't attract you to your partner and uh you know Woody's cooking breakfast again and Amani Amani's like sweeping the floor and uh Woody's like well, what have you learned about me since living together and Amani's like I know that I'm a night person and that you are not you are very much a morning guy and I am not so we see them in the morning six o'clock He's waking her up, like, get up, lazy. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I was up all night. You know, I was up late at night, rather, watching movies. And you fell dead asleep. So Woody's like, you know what? I guess we're just going to have to maximize as much as our daytime as we can together. Because, you know, I'm not a night guy. And good thing he said that because... We all know what's about to happen. So they're, as Woody's cooking breakfast, um, they're talking about, this is kind of like our first real conversation about the upcoming impending pandemic. Because Imani's looking on her phone. She's like, damn, they don't have hand sanitizer anywhere, but they do have soap. And they kind of talk about coronavirus. And Woody's like, damn, this is really getting crazy. And, you know, he's talking about like, Oh, I heard, you know, like if you have lung issues or if you're a smoker, it could be really bad for you. And Amani's like, yeah, I, you know, my mom's a smoker. I could not imagine 
taking the cigarettes away from her. Like, this would be the first time that she might spank me. Um, and she's like, yeah, I've never gotten a whooping in my life. And Amani, or excuse me, Woody says that he did every day. And this is kind of a red flag for Amani. Cause she's like, do you plan on doing that with your kids slash our kids? Because I believe it's corporal punishment. Where do you stand? And Woody's like, well, you know, every now and again, if they don't listen, you have to tell them. And he's a teacher or he's in education. And Amani's like, well, okay, you don't put your hands on your kids, right? He's like, of course not. I can't. She's like, so you can find a way to discipline them, all of your students, without putting your hands on them. Why do you think that that's something that you can't do in your own home? And Woody's like, wow, I never really thought about that. It's like, touche. <laughs> you're, you're making a very good point. And Amani lays down the line like, I am not going to be putting my hands on the kids. You are not going to be putting the hands on the kids. And if you do, I will divorce you. Thank you. <laughs> so I I love that. I just love Amani. I just love her. Um, so then what happens? Okay. So here we go to Miles and Woody going to get their haircut. Miles is getting his haircut first and Woody's talking to him and, you know, they're talking about where they are in their relationships and Woody's wearing a white corduroy jacket and that just feels important to me. Never in my life have I seen a... Snow White corduroy jacket. <laughs> Where does this man shop? It's mm, choices. So Miles, like, did you imagine? Because Woody just told him that he told Amani that he loved her. He does admit to like she asked him, "Do you love me?" And he was like, "Yeah, I got love for you." And then he was like, "As soon as I said it, I kind of paused and was like, ooh. Did I just say that? <laughs> Not that he didn't, but it was just like shocked that he, that that's the way it came out. So Miles is like, could you imagine that we'd be sitting here and that you would be the one in this incredible relationship and like all lovey-dovey and that I'm the one where I'm at. And Woody's like, even today, I would have put down all of my money and bet that you would have been in my position and vice versa. So Miles is like, if I told Karen that I loved her, like, not that I do, but if I told her today that I loved her, she'd probably walk out. And Woody's like, why do you say that? And, you know, Miles is just like, she just really has her guard up and she really likes to take things real slow. And Woody's like, do you think she even likes you? And Miles is like, no, I'm like positive. She definitely likes me. <laughs> Ooh, so Woody says in an interview that like, I thought we would have been at the very least like neck and neck in terms of our progress in our relationships. And it's just like, I think that there must be some kind of disconnect between Miles and Karen. And I agree. And I wish we see, we would see them go on a double date. And figure out what's happening because they both know each other. 
prior to this, like Karen knows, Karen knew Imani and Miles and Woody were like good friends. I I would like to see what the dynamics of that would be and how they, how they navigate that. And I hope we do get that scene before they get locked down. So I also wonder, like, because they all live in the same building, are they going to have them, like, film together more as couples? Mm. I hope we see that. Anyway, so that was basically, oh, okay, so here's what Miles says. So we saw him apologize to Karen and say that he fully understood and that, uh, you know, all of that. He tells my Woody that Karen walked out and she spent the night at her house after their fight. And Miles admits that he was actually pretty pissed off about that. And that he thought that was like totally not cool. He's like, what if I just left and went back to my house? How would I be looking? How would she have reacted to that? And Woody's like, I I completely agree with you. And, um, he then says like, he asked Woody what he would have done. And Woody's like, I would have blown Imani's phone up, like called and called text and text to figure it out. And Miles is like, yeah, but you guys are like in love and that makes sense. And I kind of felt like because he was saying like, because of where we are, me and Karen in our relationship, like I just didn't feel like I could do something like that. So we're getting the real truth out of Miles and what he actually needs and wants is to, you know, it seems like he very much feels like what he did was not, did not warrant the reaction that came. And I agree. I mean, if she said she felt unsafe, then I understand why she would go home. That to me is not like an, um, that to me is like, I, I don't know. It it just felt like an extreme reaction. It really, really did. Going home feels like an extreme reaction to what he did. I don't know. Y'all let me know what you think. If you guys are on Karen's side and you can offer some sort of insight, like I'm down and I'm interested in, and open to hearing it, but ugh, I just don't feel like I don't know. I feel like Karen is, she has high expectations for Miles to like prove something to her and do all these things. But I don't think he has those same expectations, which doesn't mean really anything. But like, I also feel like she doesn't give as much as she expects. Does that make sense? Anyway, we're going to end with Woody and Imani going to dinner <laughs> and Miles is being super flirtatious, blowing kisses across the table and Woody asks Imani if she feels any pressure to say, I love you back to him. 
And Imani's like, mostly I don't. I don't really feel it from you. But any pressure that I do feel is mostly from me. One, because I don't want you to like fall out of love while you're waiting for me to say it back. And two, I just really want to be sure that when I do say it, that that's how I genuinely feel. Like, I I don't know. Somebody said that they don't really have deep conversations and that they keep it very surface. But I feel like they, their communication to me is really good. Like, Amani tells the truth. She expresses her fears and her doubts and her walls. She doesn't just keep walls up and then not explain why she has them. And I like that about her. She admits, like, I really do like you. She's really open and honest about that. And I'm scared about how it makes me feel. And I'm scared about being vulnerable because I don't want you to hurt me. And I think that's, like, about as honest as you can be. Alright y'all, that ends this week of Married at First Sight. Um, I think I'm going to have a a guest next week, so that'll be fun. And yeah, seems like there's going to be a big fight between Olivia and Brett. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. Alright y'all, y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking with me.